You're listening to the Ancient Abandoned Podcast, episode 16 for Saturday, August 4th, 2018. Love and Forgiveness. Answering the post-Christian world. My name is Dan. I'm your host and the chief editor of AncientAbandon.com. And in this week's episode, or this month's episode rather, I wanted to take a look at the questions of forgiving and loving our enemies. Uh, we also have some uh, some more news and updates from last month's news as well. And uh, of course, we have a music pick as always. But before that, I wanted to get into some housekeeping, just uh, some updates as far as the blog and the podcast and things like that go as well as just some things in my personal life that I've been wanting to try and keep you guys up to date about um, so you guys can uh, be in prayer for myself my family and everything we got going on um, so the first thing has to do with with the uh, the podcast itself um, I'm going to be changing hosting providers and that means that the RSS feed will be changing as well um, some of you know what that means some of you don't so if you don't know what that means basically nothing should change nothing should really be an issue for you um, it should automatically get automatically get updated when I make the changes that, um, on my end. Uh, however, if for whatever reason next month rolls around and you don't get an episode that, that comes up, um, that may mean that you need to go and uh, you know remove it from your podcast directory and resubscribe to it. Um, sometimes I've heard that there's been issues with that happening, um, and I've seen it a couple of times myself as well. Um, so just be aware that that's going to be going down. Um, again, it shouldn't really cause any issues for you, um, but I'm hoping that, you know, as we transition this, um, that when September 1st rolls around, which will be when the next episode comes out, that you'll be able to have have it just pop in your, your feed or your reader um, without having any issues. Um, but just in case, you can always just, um, you know, remove it from your collection, resubscribe, and you should be good to go from there. Um, I'm doing this to try and cut down some costs as much as possible since we're going through this adoption process. And um, this is one of those things that is kind of a luxury to have. And it's it's a fun hobby, and I really enjoy it. And I consider it a ministry, really. Um, but it's a ministry that I'm just funding out of my own pocket. And so it's right now I'm paying about $30 a month in hosting fees. And that's that's for this show as well as the Two Wise Guys podcast, which we haven't really been keeping up with anyway. So I'm going to go ahead and, and stop the feed on those. And uh, I'm going to move them over to a, uh, a provider that's going to be uh, cheaper or free. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. And um, that way I'm hoping to kind of, you know, put that money in, you know, towards paying the bills and, and taking care of these other expenses as we have all these these uh, charges that we have to pay for the adoption process, if that makes sense. Um, I'll still be publishing the, the shows on ancientabandoned.com, though. So for those of you who don't necessarily use a podcast directory and you, you prefer to use just the the feed that I put onto the website, the player on the website, that'll still be available as well. Um, so you'll be able to have that up and running no problem and it shouldn't have any issues for you. Um, but I think I'll also actually another thing about it. I'm going to go ahead and post the RSS feed directly in there. So for those of you who are more technical, who actually know how to set up an RSS feed for yourself or a podcast, I'll post that on the website as well. Um, once I do make the transition, so it'll be an update that comes out, and you can just find it on there, and, and um, or maybe I'll even make an extra page on the the menu at the top of the the site for it. <coughs> Excuse me. So 
Um, finally, uh, another thing that I need to let you guys know about is uh, the video versions of this show, which I had mentioned before. Uh, I was talking about doing it at one point. My computer's really just not that powerful, so I, I may try to get it up. I'm hoping to at least get, you know, just like an image with the audio behind it um, uploaded to YouTube sometime this month, so that way I can have all the episodes to this point uploaded. So if anyone prefers to, you know, just sit on, on YouTube and watch or listen to, uh, you know, the podcast as they're working or something like that, that might be another option as well, just to kind of reach more more of an audience for people who, who are, you know, curious about Christianity and curious about the, the way that we see things and things like that. So um, just another way to get it out there. And if so, if you prefer to use that platform, you can. Uh, if you know people who prefer to use that platform, send them our way as well. So that way we can kind of build this community together as we try and build the bridges between believers and non-believers and explore you know, some of the fundamentals as well as some of the more, uh, you know, unique, I'll say, aspects of our faith. Um, but I'll have a link in the description um, of this episode to uh, the show notes, which will be at uh, ancientabandon.com slash AA16, where you can go find all the show notes I'll have on this episode. Um, and I'll also um, go back later on and I'll add that. I'll add the YouTube channel to that show notes as well. Um, so you can check that out after this episode has been uploaded. Um, but the uh, adoption news, I wanted to pass along some information on that because I, I mentioned to you guys last time that my wife and I are in the process of going through adoption. We're in, adopting a little girl from India, and she uh, has been waiting for home for a very long time. So again, I don't, I'm not really exactly sure how much I can actually share with you guys right now because we haven't been formally matched yet, but we are pursuing a specific child. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, I would really appreciate it if you guys could continue to pray for us in that in that uh, matter. Um, she's been waiting for a very long time, and so the odds of her getting adopted by somebody else in the time that we're working on this process are extraordinarily slim, um, but there is still a chance. And so, you know, we... We'll appreciate your prayers that, you know, with this process of filling out the paperwork and getting approved and everything, getting formally matched, would go as quickly as possible. Um, but right now, the biggest hang-up, I believe we've actually already got our uh, our application into USCIS, which is uh, U.S. Customs and, and Immigration Services, and they have to approve us for the American government side. Um, but the big holdup right now is with a group called CARA, that's Central Adoption Resource Authority, which is an affiliate of the... Uh, are a part of the Indian government that handles adoptions and things like that. Um, and they're really struggling right now to keep up because they've had a, a number of issues like rolling blackouts. Um, they've had a series of retirements, so they've been having to tra- train up new staff. And so they've gotten really far behind. Uh, usually, I believe this process with CARA should only take a couple of weeks at the most. But there are people who are just now getting approved who had submitted their paperwork back in May. So that's been you know almost three months now. And so... We, again, we want to get this going as fast as possible, and uh, it's just kind of a big waiting game right now because we've pretty much done everything we can do on our own on our end right now, and we're just waiting for approval from governments, and government bureaucracies can always take a long time no matter what government they're part of. So um, you can be praying for us for that. We would really appreciate it. Um, but once we are approved through CARA, uh, I believe at that point we will be officially matched with her, and then I can probably share a bit more detail with you. Um, which I, I plan to do at some point soon. Um, some other news. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it in the last episode or not, but uh, we also we also hosted a, a yard sale at our home where uh, 
we were trying to raise money for the adoption, and it actually went, I thought it went pretty well. Um, it wasn't as big of a turnout as we were hoping for as far as people coming by, but that was probably also the neighborhood that we live in. We don't have a lot of traffic come through here. Um, but we uh, we had a lot of friends um, from our small group come over and help set everything up, which was a, a huge blessing because it was so much work to get done. Uh, my neighbor came by and helped me take everything down and put everything away, which was another big help because I was pretty worn out by the end of the day. Um, but we were out there for about four hours, and uh, in between sales and donations of the things that were donated to us to sell, um, between those two, we made about $600, which was pretty awesome, that we'll be able to put towards the adoption fees and things like that. So we're planning on hosting another sale in a few weeks because we have so much stuff left over that didn't sell that we had donated, no, donate, sorry, donated to us, if I can slow down a little little bit um and so we're hoping to you know obviously raise enough to be able to pay these expenses that come up because in addition to um in addition to the the paperwork and the dossier we have to put together obviously there's the travel expenses of going to india to get her which is going to be you know probably a couple thousand dollars at least um we also need to get a new uh a new van that'll be handicap accessible um we need to be able to get a uh um we, we actually already have a couple of the things that we, we would normally need to get, so we're ahead of the curve on that. But um, there's just some things that we would probably need to do to retrofit our house as well. So there's just a lot of things that are kind of in play that, uh, you know, we need to get handled before we can go and get her. So um, just be praying for us about that. I'd really appreciate it. Um, we're also planning a, a fundraiser for next month, or it may, may actually be pushing back to October, um, but it's hoping to be kind of a big, uh, you know, kind of day-long celebration thing. Um Again, I'll give more details on that once we get it figured out, but um, we're hoping that that'll be a really good source of, of uh, fundraising. So um, I guess the big picture, the big idea is um, if you want to help us out, you know, praying is definitely the biggest thing right now. It, it is, uh, it's kind of nerve-wracking waiting, and it's stressful, and um, knowing her story and knowing how long she's waited to come home, you know, to have a home, to have a family. Um, it's hard to wait. It's hard to be patient, but we need grace. We need patience as we wait through this. Um, she doesn't know anything about us, so she's not expecting anything, but we're just kind of getting anxious at this point and wanting things to go faster than they're able to go at the moment. So just be praying for that. We really appreciate it for speed through the process, for patience as we go through this, this whole, um, you know, waiting game right now, um, and as well, you know, raising funds and that whole thing, which is additional work on top of everything else I got to do. So, um, also, I just wanted to say, you know, I want to thank you guys for praying already for those of you who have been um, and for supporting us in this process. I know I don't I don't know if any of the people who donated to listen to this podcast, but we had a ton of people donate a ton of stuff uh, from. Anything from clothes to toys to electronics to, you know, kitchenware, all sorts of stuff that we were able to take out and we were able to sell at this yard sale. So it was a huge blessing to have so many people donate to that. Um, and so I just want to say thank you to, all, to everybody who helped with that. Um, you know, and God's really worked wonders as we've gone through the paperwork and providing funding every step of the way. So we know that he's going to take care of it. Um, we know that he's going to put this all into work in his timing. We just need to be patient on him. So, um, but yeah, anyone who's been helping out, I really appreciate it. anyone who's been praying. I definitely appreciate that as well. Um, but I, I think I'm actually going to do, I've been talking about thinking about doing an episode of the podcast as well as maybe a blog post series on the 
background of adoption, you know, and, and the process of it, because I think a lot of people just don't know how it works. I had no idea how it worked until, uh, you know, we started going through this process. I knew it was expensive, but I didn't know how expensive and I didn't know why it was so expensive. Um, so I think maybe it'd be kind of just a, a fun way to kind of go through, explain where we're at in the process, how the process works. Um, just so that, you know, we can all be a bit more informed and especially, you know, as many of us are pro-life Christians, um, Adoption is important, and you know God commands us in several places, including Deuteronomy, um, and I believe in Matthew and Luke and a few other places throughout the New Testament as well. And I think there's one in Leviticus and one in Psalms where it talks about um, you know caring for the orphan and the widow, and part of that is adoption. And I know that not everyone feels called to adopt, and I know that not everyone feels comfortable adopting. But there's always a role that one that we can play in some way to you know improve the life of another. Whether it be a child, whether it be, uh, you know, a woman who needs help or a homeless man or, or whatever the case may be. Um, but also, if you want to help out, I know some, I've had a few people reach out saying that they wanted to uh, be able to help financially as well. If it's something you're interested in, um, I'll have a link in our show notes for this episode to our our crowdsourcing page. It's, uh, it's on a site called Continue to Give. It's kind of like a GoFundMe or Indiegogo kind of thing, but they take a lower percentage of the donation for their profit or whatever, um, which I'm not sure if you're aware of, but sites like GoFundMe and Indiegogo, they charge, I think, like... I want to say it's about 30% or something like that um, of the money that's raised goes to, to, to that site, and the rest of it goes to the person who raised the money. Um, and Continue to Give is, uh, I believe it's either a gen, like a generalized Christian fundraising site, or it's a, uh, a site that's specifically for adoption fundraising. I can't remember which, uh, but they take a lower percentage rate of it, so we have our, our thing set up on there. Um, but if you want to avoid the fees altogether and would feel more comfortable going through you know, our PayPal or something like that, I can just send me a message, send me an email um, to ancientabandonedpodcast at gmail.com, and I'll get in touch with you with our information. Um, again, that's only if you guys want to, you know, want to donate to it. That would be great. If not, that's cool, too. Just pray for us. We would really appreciate it. Um, but some other news, uh, blog, uh, as far as the blog posting goes, I've had a couple of, uh, or uh, I think, I, th- I can't remember. I think it's been two posts since the last uh, the last episode of the podcast. Uh, have been have come out. So I've done two blogging through song posts. Uh, one of them is I Won't Give Up by Jason Mraz, which is a, a really good song. Um, and that one was published on July 23rd. It was kind of regarding marriage and the reality of, you know, of kind of just being human and the natural developments that happen uh, throughout relationships. Because, um, you know, I know a lot of people, a lot of Christians in particular, but a lot of people just in general who, you know, are having a hard time in their marriage or they're, you know, just kind of, they've been together for a long time. And so kind of that initial, like, you know, excitement and passion that, that we have in a new relationship, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily go, it doesn't go away. And I'm not saying it as a bad thing, but you know, it just, it changes. It's, um, it's where you don't necessarily feel like you do when you're first dating because it becomes steady. You, you get to know that person, you know them so well that you don't really have that same mystery, if that makes sense. Um, I'm trying to say it without making it sound bad because I, I don't want it to come off sounding like it's, you know, uh, for people who are, whose relationships are in trouble or something like that. I think it's something that's good and beneficial for all, all of us to remember as we go in through our, our marriages and our relationships. Um, but that one's at ancientabandon.com slash I won't give up. And the second one that posted was uh, another blogging through song. It was Halo by Starset. And this is one of my favorite songs. So I've, I've been wanting to do something for it for a while. It's not a Christian song, obviously. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Starship's a really cool band. They're they're a rock band. I like rock music, and it's a uh, 
they kind of do like sci-fi space opera rock or like a sci-fi rock opera is probably a good way to describe them and um it's from their first album and it's a song where the the video i I put the music video up there the music video is really good it kind of tells the story of it but ultimately as i listened to it it kind of made me think of you know the relationship that we have with God and the relationship that we have with others, specifically as for for us Christian males, for the Christian men out there, you know, as we engage in relationships and we, you know, you're dating or you're married or whatever the case may be, that we have an innate desire within us to be adventurous, but also to be heroic, to be rescuers. And that is a natural thing that comes from our relationship with God and from our natural created status of being made in the image and likeness of God. Because that's the story of the gospel is that, you know, um, the one we love or the one that God loves rather being us has either fallen away or been taken away, whatever you want to read into it. And he comes down and he rescues us. He goes on this this epic rescue mission. And so it's it's really cool. I think that you guys will like it. Um, it's a really good song. And I anyway, so I posted that one on July 30th, um, kind of regarding God's plan of salvation and our missional response. But that's at ancientabandon.com slash halo. Uh, again, I'll have all of these links in the show notes, so you can just go find that there or just go to the, the website itself and you'll be able to find it there. Um, but... You know, as far as the blogging through songs, I haven't done those in quite a while. I've done like three of them in the last month now. Um, and part of the reason I do that, obviously, is because I like music. Second reason is, it's frankly, it's the easiest way to, to get posts out there on a regular basis where I don't have to sit down and plan too much because I'm really busy right now. Um, but also, when I used to be a youth pastor back in, uh, I think it was 06 or 07, um, I think it was 06 into 07 now that I think about it. Um, I, I was a youth pastor in this small church in Valrico, Florida, and while I was there, one of the things that I remember being the most impactful for the, the kids that were part of the group was the, you know, these were kids who had grown up in the church who, you know, were, they they were okay, you know, to listen to like secular music and stuff like that, but it was always, you know, separate from their Christian experience. And a big thing for me, having not grown up in the church and, uh, you know, as I came into a relationship with God recognizing that while God is not present in everything, you can find elements of God and elements of, you know, his nature in everything. So for instance, part of that manifests itself for me in a lot of these songs that I would like that were secular songs that had no Christian meaning or connotation to it, but that, you know, as I would listen to it, God would just impress on my heart certain things that, uh, you know, help me learn more about him, to learn more about his nature. And so that's kind of the, the goal and the purpose of doing the, the songs. So if you don't like this, the blogging through song posts, I'm sorry, but I've, I think that they're really good. I think that they are um, a good way to engage with the culture in a godly way. And it's a way just kind of, you know, to reflect on the things that are around us and to see how even in a secular environment, we can still draw close to God, if that makes sense. So that's what I've been doing on there. Um, and so I mentioned in the last episode of the podcast as well that uh, I was kind of revamping the social media platforms for Ancient Abandon, and one of those is Facebook, one of them is Twitter. Um, I've been doing a little bit. I've been doing less with Twitter just because I'm I'm not really that good with Twitter. Um, I can do it okay, but I don't I don't spend all of my time on it like some people do. And I know that there's other things that are more popular now, but frankly, I'm I'm 32 years old. I don't have time to go out and 
start messing around with Snapchat and all these other things that are going on. And that's that's probably even outdated now from what all I know. But, um, you know, on the Facebook page, we actually had a, a poll uh, this past week that I put up there. And I had a pretty good turnout on it, which I really appreciate everyone coming out and, uh, and voting on the poll and giving your feedback. I asked, you know, what um, I asked what people would want. Uh, what kind of content they prefer from ancient abandon, whether it be theological commentary or social, uh, or not social, uh, cultural commentary, or you know, social, war, social justice kind of things, or things like that. I can't remember what the exact question was, um, and it was it was a good response. About two thirds of the people said that they preferred uh, the theological commentaries, and about one third said that they would prefer the uh, the current events. This is, probably, this is the word I was looking for earlier, the current events commentaries. Um, so. Moving forward, I'll probably try to reflect it a little bit better. Um, though in the comments section of, of the, the poll, a lot of people did say that they would prefer both because they are so interconnected, which is ultimately, it's kind of what I've been trying to do anyway. So um, we're going to try and focus a bit more on the theological side of things and less on the the political and less on the, the uh, current events things. I think that they're both important. Um, but yeah, ultimately we're going to focus more on the theological kind of moving forward, uh, and that was a poll that was on both um, on Facebook and on Twitter. So it was about about pretty much about a 66-33 percent split there. Um, but this week I'm going to be posting a poll up on Facebook. So if anyone is interested in uh, in going over to Facebook.com/slash Ancient Abandon and checking it out, I'm going to have a poll asking what you think is the uh, the biggest issues facing Christians now. Um, and so I'll, I'll, it only gives you two options, so I'll probably put just two generic things, and then if anyone's, you know, anyone wants to, they can just comment in the, the comment section and kind of give feedback that way. Uh, and that'll kind of give me an idea of, of what you guys are interested in and what you'd like me to talk about. So I would appreciate that if you want to be a part of it as well. Uh, on Twitter, you know, again, I've kind of been using it as a platform just to kind of you know, respond to things that I find like news stories and stuff. So as I find, as I'm doing show prep, I'm preparing for the news segment. Uh, I'm kind of going on there, finding the news and tweeting it out, and just kind of giving a short little thought on it, or responding to someone something else that somebody says, and kind of use, trying to use it to engage people. So um, actually, I'm going to be talking about this a little bit later in the main segment of the show. Uh, but I actually had a really, really good uh, interaction and engagement with um, a guy in Myanmar, actually of all places, on uh, on Twitter. This actually just this morning the the engagement kind of like got really good so uh, we'll be talking about that a little bit later as well and I wanted to kind of give a shout out to him because I you know I really appreciated him helping me to understand the situation over there a bit better um, but what we're going to do now is we're going to go ahead and move into the news um, and it's the part of the show where we look back over some of the news that broke over the last month since the last time we got together and to kind of give them a bit more time and consideration than we might get from the major news outlets where you know they only give them like a couple of a couple of minutes at the most um so first thing, I want to give some updates on the persecuted church, and uh, some of this are some of these are going to be updates from the last episode as well because uh, since then I've learned some more details about what was going on. So the first thing um, is that we should continue to pray for the Christians in the Plateau State of Nigeria. Um, I mentioned that the um, there's a genocide going on there, and a lot of the things that were a lot of the suffering that were going on there, and, and kind of give you a brief overview of the situation as far as I understood it. Um, in addition to that. The latest reports indicate that the death toll in Nigeria um, for the genocide that's happening there has reached 6,000 since January, and it's got no one in sight. So things are bad there, um, and it's the thing is with all of these countries, especially third world countries, or it's not I guess it's 
underdeveloped world is the appropriate phrase nowadays. Um, but with these places, the, the thing that we have to remember is that these situations are extremely complicated and extremely fluid. So um, Nigeria's situation, as far as I understand it, there's a lot of tension within the government right now. There's a lot of social unrest um, among the people. And so you have Boko Haram, the terrorist organization in the north, who are continuing to, to launch their attacks and things like that. You've got the Fulani herdsmen who are the primary perpetrators of this attack on the Christians in the Plateau State. Um, and then you've got you know corruption in the government, and you've got all these other things going on. So um, continue to pray for Nigeria as a whole, but also be praying for um, the situation with these Christians who are being attacked, our brothers and sisters who are you know falling under attack there. Okay, so I mentioned, I, th- I think I mentioned last week um, about the the Kachin Christians who are being persecuted over in Myanmar. Um, they're continuing, uh, or I'm sorry, and it's, uh, the refugees are, being ta- are now being targeted by landmines, um, which are maiming and killing civilians. And landmines are nasty things. I wish that they would stop using them in war because, um, you know, they started using them, as far as I understand, like back in World War II. And... It's just, it's a vile and nasty form of warfare, and then they get forgotten after the war's over, and so years later, people are still getting blown up by them, and it's a, a terrible thing, but um, a lot of these people who are being affected by this conflict, who are on the run, who are now being, you know, who are now being hurt by these mines are women and children. Um, there's a, It's a story that was actually picked up by the BBC, which is pretty awesome to see some international coverage on it. Um, there's a tweet with a video attached to it from Nick uh, Nick Beek. Uh, he works for the BBC News 10, I think is what it's called, or something like that. Um, and it shows a bunch of women and children who are huddled in a, a dugout trench. Um, they're hiding from military jets. And I, and I have it on the Twitter feed, and I'll try and put it in the show notes as well. Um, so if anyone wants to see it, there's no, it's nothing graphic. It's just, you know, a bunch of women and children hiding in a ditch. Um it kind of reminds me of like World War One when they would dig out the trenches and then everyone, all the men would be in there. It's kind of what it looks like. Um, but I tweeted this out on July 25th, and uh, I had two responses to it. Um, the first one was from a guy named uh, Sliver Tulip. It's kind of an interesting name, but he's a uh, Burmese atheist um, who replied with a pretty sharp criticism to my post. Um, as far as I tell, he kind of indicates that there's other groups that are facing persecution as well, um, but I really don't know anything about it, so I couldn't really speak to it. Um, I reached out to him, I replied to him, but I has, still haven't heard back even since then, so I don't know if he's even paying attention to it anymore. Um, however, there is a user, uh, Bayan Nagant, I, I can't pronounce the name, and I'm sorry about that, but um, it's a, a language I'm not familiar with, um, but he's a native to the country of Myanmar, and he reached out... Um, he had a sharp criticism as well that was not exactly pleasant to read at first. And I think once he realized that, uh, you know, I'm not part of a major news outlet and that I'm just a guy who's, you know, seeing things and talking about them, um, he was actually a lot more helpful. I, I kind of talked to him a little bit and we were able to um, kind of engage and he was kind of filling me in on the situation over there. I believe he's an atheist as well, so I'm not sure. Um, he seems to, I, I'm not sure if he has any issues with the Christians there or not. It seems like. Um, the situation, again, is complicated over there. Um, but he's talking about a situation where uh, an ethnic militia group known as the MIA is targeting a bunch of different groups around the country, and the military has been responding. Um, again, from the what I understand from the Western media is that Myanmar is governed by a dictatorship, like a military dictatorship. So 
those don't usually tend to go well. So again, I don't have all the facts. I'm not going to pretend to know one way or another, but this is what I've found out is that there's Christians who are being persecuted. And according to uh, this other guy, Bant, who, who spoke to me earlier, he was saying that there's a lot of groups that are being persecuted as well. It's not just the Christians. So, um, you know, as, as believers, of course, it's important to pray for our brothers and sisters who are suffering, who are dying, who are being wounded. Um, but, you know, we're also expected to pray for the world around us. And so there's suffering going on. Let's be praying for everyone in, in Myanmar that there be a peaceful solution, that, uh, you know, some more freedoms, that some more, uh, you know, freedom from want, freedom from persecution, freedom from suffering could come to these people um, and that they could get back to their normal lives. So. Um, that would be my encouragement to you. I'll try and learn some more and kind of update you guys in the next episode or in a blog post um, when I find out more. But I, I, I told uh, this guy on Twitter that I would mention it in the show. Um, so I'm mentioning it here. Again, I don't have all the details. But if any of you know about more about what's going on in, in Myanmar or you know more about the culture or the way that this country's set up, feel free to reach out to me because I really don't know and I don't have a lot of time to, to sit around and like kind of researching it right now. Um, but I, I want to make sure that there's coverage of it because it's a serious situation. Um, but there's also a link in the show notes to the Barnabas Fund that is raising money to help the people over in Myanmar who are suffering, uh, specifically the Christians who are being targeted by the mines. Um, but I'm not sure if it's going to go out to other people as well. But if, there's, if you want to help, there's a way to do that, and it'll be in the show notes for you. Um, Last week, the, the last thing I shared last week was about uh, a situation that happened in Bethlehem and uh, at the Basilica of the Nativity, where the priest there was stabbed after a verbal altercation with uh, a Palestinian man there, and who had kind of been intimidating some visitors, some tourists who were there, who were coming to see the, the church. Um, some new details have come out since the last episode about what happened there, and apparently the priest was telling the, the Palestinian man to stop sexually harassing the the female visitors who were coming. Um, and once that happened, uh, that's when the stabbing occurred. I've seen the security camera video of it. It, it does not, it's not graphic, but you can see, th- you know, the guy reaches arm through the, the fence or through the gate and stab him. Um, you don't see blood or anything like that, but it's, uh, you know, serious the situation, but, you know, good on this priest for standing up for the purity of our sisters and, and, you know, and telling this guy to, you know, to back off because it's, how it should be, but um, continue to pray for him. As far as I understand it, um, I haven't seen too many updates on his status. As far as I, I last heard, he seems to be doing fine, seems to be recovering. It wasn't a serious wound, um, but it's a scary situation. So continue to pray for him, continue to pray for the Christians who are in uh, the Middle East in general, but also specifically in Palestine. Um, as I mentioned last week, it's, I think, 36 on the, the list of the top uh, persecution places in the world. Okay, so the next big news thing that came out in the last month or so, and I'm sure that you guys, if you're at all engaged in politics or even just watching the news, I'm sure you've heard this somewhere. Um, there was the the primary election that happened on, I don't remember, sometime in June, I believe, or July. Um, and the one that happened in New York was the election or the, the primary election of uh, Alexandria, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, it's a long name, trying to keep it straight, um, and she defeated uh, Joe Crowley, who is a long-term Democratic uh, Democratic House, rep- House of Representatives person. I'm sorry, I'm losing my focus on it. Um, she's 28 years old. She's a Democratic Socialist. She won this unprecedented victory against this guy who's like a long-term incumbent who is supposedly supposed to be like second in line behind Nancy Pelosi, and... Uh, 
So they're hailing it as like a, a victory for socialism. I'm not convinced of that because the, the simple fact is that, you know, primaries don't have a big turnout, especially if it's a midterm primary. Um, you know, presidential primaries always have pretty good turnouts because people want their candidate to be the next president. But as far as, um, you know, midterms where you're only voting on your representative and maybe a senator and then local elections, they never get big turnouts. I think the the district that she was uh, that she was nominated for, uh, the turnout, I think, was like 17,000 votes, something like that. So it, it wasn't a ton as far as I understand it. I mean, it's. You gotta keep in mind seventeen thousand. Maybe maybe big for a small town, but that's in the Bronx, I believe it is. So, um, yeah, seventeen thousand out of a population of probably at least a million is not really that much. Um, but I do want to say congratulations to her because it's a you know it's impressive to be able to win, and she obviously put in the legwork of of you know going around, getting to know people, putting her name out there, helping people get to know her. Um, so that's really cool and. You know, honestly, I think you you guys know my background with socialism. You know that I used to be a socialist, that I'm not anymore. If you don't know the story, you can go back. I think it's episode nine. You can go check it out. It's called How or Why I Left Democratic Socialism or something like that. But if you're interested, you can go check that out. But I have serious reservations and serious issues with the idea of socialism, um, especially this so-called democratic socialism. I, I don't. I'm not convinced of all the hype behind it. I think it's a really dangerous idea. I think it's a really bad idea for a lot of reasons. Um, But, I mean, it's impressive that she won, but I also feel like she's got to really get better prepared if she's going to hold her own on the political battleground. So, for instance, um, I'm, I think a lot of people have seen it by now. There was a PBS interview that she did. It kind of made the rounds a few for a couple of weeks or about a week and a half or so. Um and she did not do well. She was asked a lot of questions. The PBS interview, honestly, it was a lot of softball questions. They were not hard questions at all, uh, mostly just opinion on things that she should know, um, especially with her background. The, the questions were kind of – the reason I say she should know them is because the questions were tailored to her specific background. She's got a uh, – she's got two degrees, one from um, – She's got two degrees from Boston University, one in, in international relations, and one in economics. And so, a lot of the questions that she was was asked about focused on those issues, and she just really struggled to answer them um, in a coherent way, and to really have any substance of answers for it. And so, you know, she got mocked a lot by conservative media, which you know I kind of I don't really appreciate. I, I don't think it's necessary to make fun of people. Um, I disagree with her policies and her issues, but I think that if she's going to try and do well, she needs to really learn her stuff. She really needs to uh, constantly be kind of thinking about it and working it through her mind. And, um, you know, I just, I don't know. I think that this is going to be an interesting situation here because they're kind of portraying her as the future of the Democratic Party in that this is the movement of the Democratic Party towards socialism even more. And... uh, I'm not entirely convinced because the corporatist Democrats like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and all them, they're very entrenched. They have a lot of power. Um, I'm not convinced that this more fringe wing of the Democratic Party is actually going to be able to take that power away. But nonetheless, what I am seeing is, and this is something I'm seeing more with the younger generations, and especially millennials, younger millennials, and even... um, I don't know what they call the next generation after millennials. I, I can't remember what they call it. Um, but I'm seeing this trend now to where we're starting to split more towards the 
you could say the extremes, I would say, towards the fringes of both sides. Um, a lot of young people are leaning much more socialist, but a lot of them are also leaning a lot more libertarian, which I specifically say libertarian, they're not necessarily joining the libertarian party, um, but their ideas, their politics, their views are much more libertarian. They're much more focused on individual liberties, on individual ideas, on uh, opposing collectivist thoughts and things like that. So I think it's really interesting. We're kind of we're kind of coming to a point to where we're going to start seeing more of an ideological struggle for the future of America, I think, um, where the, the upcoming generations who are going to start taking things over are going to start really pushing one way or another. Are we going to go for collectivism and socialism, or are we going to go for individualism and individual liberty? And uh, I think it'll be good in the long run for the country. I think it'll be something that needs this discussion needs to be had because, frankly, a lot of the politics in this country has been that anyways, and it's just kind of been masked, if you will. They haven't really gotten into it too much. Um, but this thing's already getting long, so let's keep on moving along. Um, there's an update on some lawsuits against uh, David Dolladin. I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's the guy from the Center for Medical Progress. Um, and if you don't remember the name, it's the organization that released those uh, undercover videos from Planned Parenthood and its affiliates um, about the harvesting of the the parts and the organs of unborn babies or fetuses. Um, and so we haven't heard much from him in the last year and a half or so. He, he originally released the videos back in, I think, the summer of 2015 where he kind of talked about – or he, he released these videos. They were edited at first. And then when their people were like, it's highly edited and subjectively edited, then they released the full, you know, two, three hour clips as well. So that way you could have the full, the full footage that you could go and watch if you wanted to. Um, but they were full of, you know, sitting in these high end restaurants talking about harvesting these baby organs and selling them for profit. And um, it was really disturbing. It was really upsetting for me personally and for a lot of people. But um, we haven't heard much from him from about a year and a half. He's got a lot more footage, apparently. But he's the the I think it was the, uh, a judge over in California had put a gag order on him saying he couldn't release any more of them, and then it was upheld, I believe, by the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. But uh, uh, the, the the story here is that um, the the CMP has announced that um, seven of the eleven charges against him have been dropped. So he's been in court dealing with the, with this stuff um, but so there's only four more charges that he has to battle against but seven of the 11 of them have been formally dropped by uh, Planned Parenthood or whoever it is that's that's going up against him right now uh, in addition to that um, yeah, I, I don't actually I'm not going to go too much into this I think I, I kind of already gave the thoughts on there but um, I think that the videos should be a part of the discussion and I know that I know that there's a lot of people who are pro-choice who disagree and they think that it's wrong of him to release those videos but if this is what's going on the public has a right to know as much as as we want the truth about what happened with between trump and russia if anything or you know if something did happen we deserve to know the truth about that we also deserve to know the truth about what's going on in these organizations that are sending receiving federal funding if you're providing abortions and you're selling the parts for profit the American people have the right to know that and take the appropriate actions. Um, anyway, I'm not going to go too much into that at the too much more into that. There's a lot more to say on there. Um, there was another story I was going to kind of going to 
cover, but I, this is already running really long and it's not really relevant to anything, so I'm going to go ahead and skip it. Um, I'll throw a link in the show notes to it, though, but it's about Sasha Baron Cohen's new show um, and something that, uh, something that he pulled that I'm sure some people have heard about, um, but I'll have that in the show notes if you're interested, but I'm going to go ahead and skip it here. But the, the last bit of news I want to talk about, uh, as I mentioned last week, I want to try to wrap up the news sections with some good news because I feel like a lot of the times the uh, the news that we talk about is always negative. It's always bad. Um but it's been important to also remember that the, there is good going on in the world as well. And there's good uplifting stories that you can find out there. You just have to look for them because, you know, the bad stuff sells. That's why the media companies always go with negative is because it triggers emotions within us and it keeps us tuned into them so that it increases the revenue and everything like that. So, But this bit of good news I thought was a really cool story. And I'll have a link in the show notes to this as well. And the headline was uh, Compassionate Chick-fil-A staff checked on elderly regulars after they went missing. And I thought it was a really cool story. It's about this uh, elderly Georgia couple who are identified in the article as Bobby and Richard. Um, Bobby's the wife, Richard's the husband. Uh, and they were regulars at their local Chick-fil-A restaurant. And they would go twice a week on a, a regular schedule. Um, but once, like, after I think it was a, a week or two, they weren't showing up. This, the staff kind of became concerned about it and were wondering what happened to them. Um, the staff reached out to the elderly couple's children who were adults. They worked in the school system there. And uh, they found out that Richard's health had kind of taken a, a, a downturn, and that's why they had stopped coming. And so after getting the couple's address from, I'm assuming the kids, they didn't specify, but I would assume it was from the kids, uh, the restaurant actually proceeded to send someone from the restaurant to deliver the regular orders that the couple would get to their home on the usual day and times that they would come in. And I just thought it was a really sweet story. I thought it was really cool that they would do this. And, you know, I mentioned before a few episodes back that, you know, I worked at Starbucks for a long time. And obviously it's a very different company than Chick-fil-A. But while working there, we would also have regulars that would come in and they would come around the same time every day or every few days or once a week. But it was usually a fairly regular schedule. And we would kind of get to know them. We'd get to learn about their lives and their families. Um, and they would also have a chance to kind of get to know us. And we'd build relationships. And, you know, there was actually there were customers that I became good friends with that I would even keep in touch with years after I left that store. Um, you know, we'd kind of get to know their kids. They'd, they'd come and introduce their parents to us or something like that if they were younger or if they had elderly parents who came to visit. And they, they'd bring them in and introduce them to us because we were their friends, you know. Um, and I just thought it was kind of cool because I could definitely relate to the story. I could relate to how these people and this Chick-fil-A happened to feel because, you know, there were times where we have customers who came in every single day who we all got to know, who we all deeply cared about, and then all of a sudden they just went missing and we never found them. Or, you know, we found out later that they got really sick. Or, like, for instance, this one, this one lady who was super sweet down in Tampa who... Um, she stopped coming because she was mourning because her husband had passed away suddenly without notice. And, and so, you know, we all kind of had a chance to kind of pull some money together and, and give back to her because, you know, she came in every day, she shared her life with us and she became a friend and she was suffering. And so it was, it was kind of a cool opportunity to do something nice for her. It's something as small as just giving her, you know, a little bit of money that we had. Um, but so it may seem strange, but I thought it was a really sweet story. Um, the couple's granddaughter was there um, when they brought the food in, and, and she had a comment that I thought would be good to end the new segment with because I thought it was just a really nice thing to say. She said, that night, this was all my granddad could talk about, having the food brought in, that is. I was blown away by what I witnessed that day, and the, this is a moment that I will forever be embedded into our family's hearts and minds. 
The food was eaten and gone that day, but the impact this had was will last a lifetime. There are angels on the earth, so keep your eyes open for the good throughout all the bad in this world. So, anyway, I think that's just a really cool story. I'll have a link in the show notes to it. It's from the Good News Network. So if any of you guys are like feeling depressed from the news, I know that that happens. Um, check out the Good News Network. It's got a lot of cool, like, fun, uplifting stories like that that are just kind of make you feel good and and uh, make you realize that not everybody sucks all the time. So, um, anyway, so moving on to the music pick, this one we're gonna kind of kind of go through a bit quicker than the last one. Uh, this is a song that I really like. It's called um, it's called Blink by Revive. It's a song that came out in 2010 off of the album of the same name, um, but it is. One of the it's one of the songs that I remember really enjoying when I first moved to South Carolina. Um, for me, music kind of hits at certain times, and so as I hear those songs, it kind of takes me back to those places in those times, if that makes sense. And I'm not sure if that's how everyone feels about it, but that's how I feel about it. And um, so when I hear the song, a lot of times it brings me back to when I first moved to, to South Carolina and when we first moved into our house, and our oldest son was only like a, a little over a year old, and... Uh, you know, we just were in a very different time in life, but it was an exciting time that was leading into, uh, you know, me kind of growing up more. But this is a song that I really, really enjoyed. Um, it's off the band's fourth studio album, which was released on June 22nd, 2010. Their other albums include some in- a couple of independent releases, which are uh, Where I Belong from 2004 and Trafalgar Street. I don't think I pronounced that right, but it's in that came out in 2006. They then proceeded to sign with Essential Records, and they released... Um, Chorus of Saints in 2008 and then after sorry after Blink came out they released a single of the first Noel later on in 2010 Um, it's a fairly short album overall it's got 11 tracks but it only it it runs less than 40 minutes so you know it's good it's pretty good music but it's not anything it's going to last too long but if you're just into something like that you can check it out Uh, the band's no longer together though they disbanded in 2011 Um, I picked up the album with some Christmas money back in 2010 because I I thought the song was good and I thought the album overall was pretty good as well Um, aside from Blink there aren't a lot of really outstanding songs in my my opinion Um, the album itself is probably more in line with my wife's taste in music but I'm particularly fond of obviously Blink, but also um, Almost Missed This Moment, Something Glorious, and Don't Give Up the Fight, which I really like that one in particular. It reminds me a lot of the fight song by Sanctus Real um, from, I think, their first album, I think it was. Um, but anyways, it's really good. Uh, the album did get some secular exposure as well. Blink and Something Glorious were both uh, featured in ABC shows, uh, Rookie Blue and Secret Millionaire, respectively. Um, but anyway, so here's the song. It's called Blink. It's from the same titled album by Revive. Just a second more of this It happens in a blink It happens in a flash It happens in the time it took to look back I try to hold on tight But there's no stopping time What is it I've done Matthew 5, 43-48 reads, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. 
For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brother, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Okay. So some people seem to think that it's it's really easy to be a Christian. And I'm not really sure why they think that, but I have a theory. And my theory is that that it's because of the way that the West has been established over the last hundred, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, hundreds or thousands of years, um, hundreds of thousands, that's a ridiculous amount of time. Um, you know, Christianity has been a major part of our civilizations for generations. That's a good way to say it. I'll say generations. And Christianity has also spent a good portion of its history in the West in line with the certain power structures of individual countries. And whenever a particular system has been dominant for a certain length of time, we seem to feel like it's somehow wrong, or it must be wrong is probably a better way to put it, and that its adherents, they must benefit from some sort of position of privilege. And I feel like that's probably the the real criticism behind Christianity if people really took the time to stop and think about it. Um, but that said, I think anyone who is a true, faithful follower of Jesus will have to tell you that it's really hard to be a Christian. It's really hard to be faithful sometimes. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's really easy to just do the right thing and to not be tempted to to sin and not to be tempted to give in. But we will always face trials and tribulations and hardships where we are tempted to be unfaithful to Jesus. And we can't do that. And so part of that is recognizing the truth that Jesus is God. He came to earth to save us from our sins. And you know, that is by him alone that we can be saved. And that is a very unpopular position to have in a secular world. And, you know, being a true Christian means that you're probably going to lose friends. I know that's happened to me in the past. It's happened to probably most of you, to be honest. When If you have had non-Christian friends and then you suddenly become a Christian, they don't want to hang out with you anymore because they, you know, they maybe feel like you're judging them and maybe you are. I know that's... I tried not to judge people when I became a Christian because I didn't feel like I was any better than them because, you know, I I was living a pretty messed up sinful life um, and then Jesus saved me and so I didn't have any anything to brag about, you know. I just was forgiven and loved and I wanted to share that with others. Um, sometimes it's because they just don't want to be preached to. Sometimes it's because, you know, maybe, they, maybe you're life is convicting to them because they feel like, well, I can't hang out with them because they're going to disapprove with what I am doing, but really that's an internal conviction of their own sin. But, you know, in addition to that, you might lose a job. I've had experiences with that. I'll kind of explain that a little bit more in a little bit. You may get a bad grade in school. You may you know, have family who gets really upset with you, or you may be treated as intellectually inferior. There's a lot of people who like to do that. Um, you treat Christians like they're stupid because they believe in the Bible and they believe in God. And you also may be maligned by others. And I think that pretty much every Christian has probably experienced that in some to some degree or another. Um, but as Christians, we're supposed to be peaceable and to get along with people whenever possible. And this doesn't mean that we concede to their lies, though. It doesn't mean we condone their sinful behavior. I think I mentioned this even last week that, you know, we're going to disagree with people and we should disagree with them when they're living in a sinful way that, that disagrees with the Bible and disagrees with what God wants from us. Um, but we can still be peaceable. We can still try to strive to get along. But sometimes it, people just will simply not like us because we're a Christian. Um, you know, a story that comes to mind, I remember, I guess it was probably 2004, if I had to, I think it was about 2004. Um, 
it was kind of a gap year in between high school and college. I had graduated a year early from high school, and I wasn't ready to go to college yet. And so I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And uh, at the time, I was obsessed with the show Pimp My Ride, which was on MTV. Um, if, it, if you guys are too young to know it, you need to go try and find videos of it because it was pretty cool. It was completely outrageous. They would get these old beat-up cars, and they would take them into the shop and just completely deck them out, put spinner like put spinner rims on them, hydraulics on them, TV monitors all over the place, crazy paint jobs. It was great. It was fantastic. I, I loved watching that show. Um, and so I wanted to go and do the same thing. So I ended up enrolling at the local um, tech school. It's called P-Tech down in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. And... Uh, I signed up to go to auto body school, and so I ended up going there for for only about probably a year, um, if that. I'm not even sure if it was that long, but um, I enjoyed it. I I realized that is something that I enjoyed. I thought it was fun, but I couldn't do it for the rest of my life, so I didn't stay. Um, but during my time there, I met some cool people. Um, but when I first started out there, there's a guy named Mark. He was the leader of this pack of guys who had, I'm assuming had gone to high school together, and they had. Uh, you know, gone, all decided to come into auto body school together. And um, they honestly, they didn't do much work. They just kind of hung out in the classroom and just messed around um, and spent time talking and stuff. But they were completely merciless to me. Like, I was a, a brand new Christian. I didn't really, you know, I was still learning. I was reading my Bible a lot. I was praying a lot, trying to learn as much as I could about God and about Jesus and about Christianity. And, uh, excuse me, and those guys would just, mock me to no end. They would not stop. And it would go on for hours and hours a day, every day I was there. Um, to the point to where like I would have to like walk out and just kind of take some time to pray to cool down because I was about to get really mad and lose it on them. But I knew that that wasn't what God wanted for me. And so I just, you know, it. they just didn't like me because I was a Christian. These guys were, uh, they were juggalos. So I don't know if you guys know what those are. They're basically fans of the Insane Clown Posse, which was a band back in the early, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, trash music, if you ask me. I, I didn't really like them, but all, I know a lot of people did. Um, but basically, it's like rap rock, thug life kind of thing. It's complicated, but um, that's who those guys were. And they just didn't like me because I was a Christian. And they didn't really know anything about me, um, but they just didn't like me for that reason. So um, sometimes people aren't going to like you just because of your faith. But with that said, it would be foolish to think that, that faith is the only reason people aren't going to like you. Sometimes it's because of your race. Sometimes it's because of your gender or your politics or things that you're interested in or your fashion style. Um, it could also be because they're just being bullies in general. Um, but, you know, sometimes this bullying has it's just harsh words. Sometimes it may escalate into physical violence. Um, you know, sometimes people may even try to destroy your ability to work and live freely. We're seeing that a lot today, you know, on Twitter with people going back and finding things online that were said or written, you know, 15, 20 years ago and using it to get people fired or they're doxing them by putting their private information, these personal identifiable information out there for the world to see, like their private addresses and their, their full names, their phone numbers so that people can be harassed or, or even stalked. And it's really, it's getting really bad. And it's also leading to public humiliation. And, you know, for instance, I, I don't want to go back to politics too much, but one thing that has been on my mind a lot in the last few weeks has been uh, that video that came out of Maxine Waters, who I believe was a, uh, I believe she's a representative or she's a senator, I can't remember which, but she, uh, she basically came out and told the, uh, and told her supporters to go out and harass people who work for the Trump administration. Um, we we've seen it in uh, you know a lot of different 
avenues of life. But it's just something that I've noticed a lot is happening. And it's, I think, a very negative thing. I think it's a very bad thing that we should try to avoid if possible. Um, as a people in general, not just as Christians, but as a society. Um, but it's a natural human reaction by every person to be one of a few different things. So we've heard of the fight or flight idea that you either you, know, you either run from the conflict or you stand at your ground and you fight. And so some of us are counter punchers. You know, we, someone comes at us, we're going to hit back either as hard or twice as hard. Um, some of us will allow ourselves to be victimized. We'll just be paralyzed by the attacks and not do anything. Um, some of us will do anything to get away from these situations. So, you know, whether just simply running away from the situation or trying to appease that person so that they will stop, you know, tormenting you. And some of us will try to diffuse a situation through our words, like a diplomatic negotiation kind of thing. That's typically where I try to stand. I try to go into that, that route as well. But, you know, it doesn't always work. None of those situations always work. And, in fact, I would argue that, you know, being a counterpuncher, I know that there's a lot of there's a lot of people online who I'm not sure if they're actual Christians or if they just claim to be, um, but they present themselves as followers of Jesus, and they are— extremely combative. This is what we talked about last week, about having to be right, about having to prove the other one wrong, about um, owning the libs or owning the cons, as people would talk about in politics, you know, owning the liberals or conservatives. But I feel like it's an unhealthy response. And I mean, just sitting there and taking it, some people seem to think that you have to just sit there and take it as a Christian, that you can't defend yourself or say, you know, stand up for yourself. Um, But the Christian response to the situation is not to just stand there and take it necessarily. Maybe God's telling you to do that for whatever reason. It's not to turn around and fight back. It's not to, um, you know, to just try to appease these people who are who are doing these things to you. But the Christian response is to love our enemies. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So going back to the verse uh, that we opened up with, it said, "You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor as and hate your enemy. But I tell you." Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of the Father in heaven. So there's a couple of words there I want to kind of touch on. The first one is love. The Greek word there, because they're, they're, this book was originally written in Greek, the Greek word there for love it comes from the root word agape, which is uh, the Greek word for unconditional love. And so what he's, Jesus is talking about here is when we love our, our neighbor and he's telling us to even love our enemies, it's to love them unconditionally. It's not that you actually have you know, an emotional connection with that person who's hurting you or who's berating you. It's that you recognize their value as a human being, as an image bearer of God, that you recognize who you are in Christ and that you recognize that you can love them through their sin, if that makes sense. Uh, the, other, the other word in there is enemies, which is... Uh, uh, I can't pronounce. I can't remember how to pronounce it. It's a Greek word, but um, I'll have a link in the show notes. I'll put the description in there. But it's it's a word that's only used one other time in the New Testament, and it's used in Second Thessalonians three fifteen. I believe the word is uh, is ekthron. I believe is what it was, if I remember correctly. Now, sorry, I should have had it written down. I forgot it. Um, but it's a word that when we use the word here, talking about enemies, you know, love your enemies. Um, the word is also used in Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 15, um, regarding the immoral brother who has been living in a habitual unrepentant sin. And that verse reads, as, you, as for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, so that he may be ashamed. And do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. And so this... 
what what it's basically saying in this passage here, and I'm sure it's pretty fairly obvious to you guys listening because it's not a complicated message, is that you know the the natural human response is to hate those who hate you, to fight back against those who fight against you, and do I think that there's a time and a place to defend yourself and to defend others? Yes, I do. Um, that's a debate for another time because I know that not everyone agrees with that. But what it is saying is that we are to love our enemies just as we love our neighbor and just as we love our friends. Um, that we can recognize their condition as a sinner, that we can recognize their position as an image bearer of God, and we can differentiate between how we feel and how we know we're supposed to act. Um, so examples of this playing out in real life. Let's go back to that story from P-Tech, the, uh, the technical school I went to. So the leader of that group of kids who, who just continued to, continuously mocked me for a better part of a year, uh, his name was Mark, Big Mark as we call him, he's a big dude. And he led the group who picked on me and the other Christians who were there. And we, so we, not, not only did we go to school together, but ended up getting a job at a local grocery store down in St. Petersburg. And come to find out when they took me back to introduce me to the guy who was going to train me, it was the same guy. It was Big Mark. And that was a rough season for quite a while because I was getting tormented at school and then at work as well. Um, but, you know, we kind of got a chance to kind of chat a little bit, get to know him. He got to know me a little bit. And, um, you know, as we got as we went through this, I uh, just kind of tried to love on him he, through his bullying. He, he actually, uh, I remember one day coming into the back room and he was very upset. He was, you know, trying to show that he wasn't crying, even though he was. And he, um, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. He shared with me that his mother had, you know, gotten very sick all of a sudden, and that they were worried that she wasn't going to make it. Um, thankfully, she did. I you know, had an opportunity to, to pray for him, to just kind of listen to him, see if he needed anything to help him out with stuff they needed help with. And by the end of the by the end of the year there at P Tech, this guy who was leading this group of kids to continuously just you know pick at me, try to get a response out of me, to mock me for my faith, um, he became one of my best friends at the school, and. Like I said, it's not always going to work out that way. Sometimes it doesn't, but, um, you know, we're supposed to respond in love. We're supposed to forgive those who have trespassed against us. And another example that I want to share, it comes from my time at Starbucks. This was back in 2008. I worked at a Starbucks in Bradenton, Florida. And while I was down there, I ended up working for this lady named Tori. Now, Tori was not at all my favorite person. Even now, like, I still kind of get... You know, PTSD almost from times that I worked there. Um, she was raised Roman Catholic, and she happened to be a lesbian, and she went to Catholic school. So you do the math. Take your, you know, take your best guess at how that worked out. Um, she did not like Christians at all. She was a very – she never directly came out and said it because that was against corporate policy, but she made no, no hints about – you know, she didn't make any kind of uh, guessing game out of whether or not she liked us as Christians. Um she proceeded to then persecute myself as well as the other Christians who worked there because she would cut our hours um, and give them to the people that she did like. So, for instance, when before she started working there, I was averaging about 38 hours a week. And the you know as soon as she came in and I got to know her a little bit and she got to know who I was, me and every other Christian, we had our hours cut down from 35 to 38 hours a week to eight. So we could have like one, you know, we'd have two half days of work basically. 
And uh, it was very difficult because at that time, uh, my son, my oldest son, Eli, was just born. He was, you know, he wasn't even a year old yet. And um, so we were really concerned because I was trying to help, you know, pay the bills and support this new child. And um, all of a sudden, this manager, for no reason other than, you know, disliking me for what I believe, uh, had cut my hours way down. So thankfully, we, I had a lot of friends from around the district who allowed me to pick up their shifts at their stores, and I was able to make up a lot of those hours. But um, it was a very trying, difficult time. Um, I went to her supervisor as per the company's policy. Um, when it got back to her that I had gone you know, to her supervisor, um, she proceeded to retaliate against me and, and cut my hours even more, um, which was a violation of the company policy. But it was, <clears throat> it was a situation that never got resolved. We ended up actually moving shortly thereafter. I think it was in uh, it was in early 2009 that we ended up moving up to North Carolina. So it was an, a sudden move that happened, and um, that situation never got resolved. But it was one that I just had to I had to love and forgive through it all, even though she was directly targeting me and it was impacting my wife and my child. And it was very difficult. It was a very hard time. Um, but that's another situation, another one that comes to mind. And I, I don't, you know, I don't know if you guys are actually interested in these stories, but I figured these are firsthand accounts that I can share the, the things that I've been through. Um, another example comes from a guy named Tim. He was a, a former supervisor of mine, and I don't want to give too much detail in case he happens to be listening. Um, but he didn't like me sharing my faith at work, and he and I we had a good relationship. Um, he was uh, he was an atheist. I was obviously Christian, and we disagreed on. Religion. We disagreed on politics. We disagreed on business ideas. A lot of different things. But he and I, we had a you know, uh, we had a reasonable relationship together. But we would get into arguments about different things. Like he didn't like me sharing my faith at work. Um, I hosted a small Bible study for anyone who voluntarily wanted to come. I made sure that everyone knew that there was no, you know, they did not have to come if they wanted, didn't want to. It was just something that. You know, a couple of the guys had talked about wanting to do, so I started it up, and we would do it there. Um, and so we had to deal with that. We would get into arguments, sometimes very heated and very personal arguments, about um, you know my faith and my political views. Um, I tried to be compassionate and loving with him. I know he was having a hard time with certain issues that were personal to him that I don't really want to disclose because I feel like it's private. Um, and just tried to love on him and try to be a good friend. And... You know, I left the company on good terms, but there was no real resolution. So again, there's not always gonna it's not always gonna work out as exactly like we would hope it would, but we can handle it in an appropriate way. Another story that comes to mind, and this one actually is is not my story. This is one that I heard from a friend. Is a a gentleman. I'm not gonna name his name because um, he might be listening, and some of my other people who might be involved in the story. But you know, he would share about. Going to church, and he's he's an African American man, a black man. He doesn't he doesn't like being called African American. He likes being called black, so he's a black man. And he <clears throat> goes to predominantly white church, and he would talk talk to me about you know the struggle of it and having a hard time with it. And uh, you know he and I we we always had a great relationship, so it's nothing that something that never really crossed my mind. And he would talk to me about how he'd be out in public going to the grocery store or something and see people from our church, you know, white church members that were there who would refuse to even acknowledge him. They, they saw him, they recognized him, but because it wasn't in the church setting, they didn't want to talk to him, which is really messed up. I don't, I don't know why that, why, why that would happen. Um, 
But anyways, it, it's a situation that, you know, I don't really know how that situation resolved. I think it was just kind of like a, okay, well, I, I guess you don't want to talk to me because I'm black. But, you know, it was one of those things where as Christians, it's not an appropriate way for things to, to be handled. And, um, but I felt like he handled it well. He's, he doesn't make an issue of it. He doesn't make a fuss about it. He, he lovingly serves Jesus. He does the best he can. He goes to church. He, he loves on the people, even those, you know, that were in that story there. Um, and that's the best you can do. You just got to forgive and you just got to love and you got to do your best. And I, I always thought that was a really cool and powerful story. Um, cause it's something that I've never had to face. And, um, I haven't heard too many stories of it, but you know his firsthand account was kind of an eye opener of the situation there. But you know other examples that I think we can pull from that are broader that aren't such personal stories include the story about Jesus on the road to crucifixion, where he says, "You know, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." Um, you know, forgiving those who have just beaten him, who have spit on him, who have mocked him, who are now whipping him as he's carrying his heavy wooden cross through the streets. And who are laughing and ridiculing, and he's asking God to forgive them for it. Um, I, I'm not sure if you guys have seen this. I'll try and find it and throw a link in the show notes for it as well. But there was a video that came out uh, a couple of years ago uh, at the height of ISIS when they were kind of going through and they were just murdering and doing all these terrible things in Syria and in Iraq um, of Christians who had fled to I think Israel or somewhere over there, and they basically put out a video that was. Um, you know, saying that they forgive them and that they forgive ISIS, and no matter what they do, that Jesus loves them and that they want He wants them to repent of their sin, and that they forgive them for what they've done. And that is one of those stories that I remember reading and being like, I don't know if I could do that. And it was a, a real testament to the faith of those believers. And you know, you know, I just I don't know as, as I think about these stories. I realize just how difficult it is to be a Christian in other parts of the world. And I don't want to diminish or downplay the situations that um, that people go through in this country, because I understand that it's hard, but I don't feel like it's the same. And I feel like it's... I'm trying to say this gently, because this is something that I really struggle with. Um, my wife actually, actually talked to me about this just the other day, because... I have a real a real problem with people playing the victim, especially when things really aren't as bad as they could be. And I'm trying to remember that everyone's situation is different, and that we're all on our own journey, and that everyone's experiences are different from you know what other people have gone through. And so you know, as I look back over the last couple of years, uh, I guess it's been about five years now, almost um, from the time that we left South Carolina to prepare to go to Africa, and then everything changed and. That's a story that I'll tell you guys maybe in a future episode, but, you know, I look at that story, I look at the situation that happened there, and there was a lot of hurts that happened in a lot of places along the way. Um, everything kind of got thrown up in the air. Things were difficult for our family during the time that we were, you know, transitioning everywhere. We moved like seven times in the course of two years. Um, we were kind of, we felt kind of betrayed by... Uh, you know, our people, certain people at our church that was our home church, we felt betrayed by people that we thought we could trust in uh, the place that we ended up going down in Florida. Um, there's just a, a lot of pain and hurt that was difficult to deal with. And, um, but at the same time, I tend to compare 
my suffering with the suffering of people in places like Rwanda or the places like Syria or Iraq or places like Myanmar or Nigeria. So I was like, you know, it was hard and it was difficult, but I didn't face genocide. I didn't face torture. I didn't face seeing my wife taken away to be forced into sex slavery. You know, and I, so for me personally, and I'm just being totally honest with you guys, for, for me personally, this is a difficult thing for me to get my head, get outside of my head enough to really see that all the time. Um, so I'm trying to be gentle in saying this, but I want us to realize like, if Jesus can forgive in the midst of all of the suffer, all the stu- you know pain, the suffering, the beatings, the mockery, the eventual crucifixion, knowing that he was going to be crucified, knowing he was going to be stripped naked and shown in front of everybody, you know, and to be mocked and to be ridiculed and to be shamed. If he can forgive, then we can too. If Corey Ten Boom can forgive one of the guards who was responsible for the suffering that she endured and the death of her sister at the Ravensbuck concentration camp, then we can too. If the women and survivors of the Rwandan genocide can forgive those who killed their families, we can too. And that's kind of the big idea of this whole thing is, you know, Jesus wants us to love our enemies. And it's not always easy, and it's not always going to go the way we hoped, and it's not always going to have a good resolution. But you just got to do it. You just got to you just got to force yourself to love sometimes, and that might mean walking away from a situation, praying, and just asking God for guidance, asking Him to to lead you in your words and your actions. But you know, I feel like we may go through things, but we also need to keep perspective, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I hope I said that gently enough. If I didn't, I'm sure someone will tell me about it later and I'll have to come out and apologize. But anyways, that's, that's what I've got to say about this. Um, I don't want, I'm not going to go into too much more, but I just want to go ahead and say, you know, thank you guys all so much for being here this week. I really hope you got something out of it. Um, the next episode is going to be coming out on Saturday, September 1st, as I mentioned earlier. If you want to join the conversation, you can be sure to leave a comment on this episode's page at ancientabandoned.com slash AA16. And uh, you can also email the show at ancientabandonedpodcast at gmail.com. You wanna, if you want to follow the sites on social media, you can go to facebook.com slash ancientabandoned. You can also find me on Twitter at ancientabandoned. So um, you can join the conversations there, be part of the polls, and kind of give feedback and stuff like that. Um, I'd really appreciate it. That'd be great. And uh, I'd love to hear from you guys. So um, if you want to submit questions um, formally through the website, you can do that too. It's at uh, ancientamendment.com slash questions. And uh, you can send them my way and I'll be sure to answer them either in a blog post or on the show itself. Um, But until next time, I love you guys. And I pray that you guys would draw closer to God and all that you do. Take care. Bye.